Hello, and welcome to another Veterinary Team Training Podcast. My name is Amy Newford. I'm both the host and owner of Vet Team Training. Please check out all my other blogs, vlogs, and podcasts at vetteamtraining.com. And if you're not aware, we actually have online continuing education. It's education for all, but it's training only done by veterinary technicians and veterinary nurses. So please go check out the website to learn more about that. Today, I wanna jump into the topic of technician utilization. And as I do a lot of times, I'm gonna repeat this again. It's just my opinion and my own thoughts, but I'm gonna pull some data into this podcast as much as I can find. And I'm gonna give my own thoughts as to what technician really is, ways we can improve upon it, and how it's damaging this profession. And I gather, even if you're not part of the United States, if you happen to be a veterinary nurse in a different country, Um, or even if you are a veterinary assistant, meaning a non-credentialed veterinary technician, this is going to apply to you because we are not being utilized to our fullest, regardless of the title, regardless of the position, whether or not, whatever you're called, whether or not you be an LVT, an RVT, a CVT, on the job train, or RVN, or some other title that I might have not put in here, you're simply not being utilized. Now, don't get me wrong, it's not all grim. You know, since the 90s, data and studies have shown that there has been an increase in utilization within this profession. But we're not there and it's 2023. And if I see one more veterinarian placing an IV catheter or doing a routine dental profi, and I'm not talking about extractions, we'll go down these roads of things that veterinarians should just simply not be doing. I'm gonna lose my marbles. You've got to utilize your staff. NAFTA published the 2022 demographic survey earlier this year. And in the section three titled utilization, this is what they felt. They felt that basically only 40% of individuals said, are you fully utilized to your potential? Let me repeat that. Only 40% of respondents actually answered yes, that you're fully utilized to your potential. That means 60% of you do not feel like you're utilized to your fullest potential. Now, 20%, roughly about 20% actually said, no, flat out, you're not really utilized at all. Another 41% said sometimes. But listen, it shouldn't be sometimes that we're utilized. We should be utilized all the time. So first, let's talk about what utilization really is. I mean, we throw this term around in the industry all the time, but let's truly dive into what utilization is. And before we go down that path, I'm also going to go ahead and define a couple other terms, diagnosis as well as interpretation. And so we're gonna, di- we're gonna dive into those three terms because in order to understand utilization, we have to understand all three of those terms. So let's start with the first definition, utilization. I go to the Cambridge English Dictionary for this definition because I just absolutely think it defines what it means in our profession. Here's the definition. It's the act of using something in an effective way. Let me repeat that. It's the act of using something in an effective way. Therefore, when we're talking about utilization in veterinary medicine, how can we use our veterinary technicians, veterinary assistants, registered vet nurses, again, whatever your title is, in an effective way, the most effective way. This is really important. And then here's another definition, which is really, I love this. This actually comes from dictionary.com. An act or instance of making practical or profitable use of something. Okay, so I love it because it has to do with business and a lot of you probably hate this, but bear with me. So the act or instance of making practical or profitable use of something, AKA your veterinary technicians, your veterinary assistants, how are we gonna make them profitable and then go back to the Cambridge English Dictionary definition in an effective way. So if we utilize them in an effective way, if we use something, AKA 
our persons in an effective way, we can then make it practical or profitable for the veterinary hospital. That's the definition, right? Like that's what utilization is. If we can utilize to its most maximum potential, if we can utilize an individual, an employee of the hospital to its most fantastic you know, potential, then we have the ability of profiting at the highest amount from that individual, which sounds very like crude when you think about it. But listen, business is business when it comes to trying to increase profits. And we're gonna talk about why this is important because why do you wanna utilize? Well, it's right there in the definition, right? Like if we can utilize to the fullest, most effective way, then we are going to profit more. That is the reality of utilization. The failure to utilize your staff simply means you will not profit and you will also not be as practical. It's that simple. All right, let's move on to the next definition. So I now wanna talk about diagnosis. So diagnosis by definition, pretty much any dictionary you look at, it's pretty much the same. Um, the identification of the nature of an illness or other problem by examination of the symptoms. Let me repeat this. So this is the identification of the nature of an illness or other problem by examination of the symptoms. Another definition of this, the process of identifying a disease, condition, or injury from its signs or symptoms. So let me be very clear because a lot of times I think that people are mis, uh, misinterpreting what veterinary technicians, what registered vet nurses can do. And I hear about this a lot. So until we can figure out what the definition of a diagnosis is, we're gonna continue to fail this profession that I'm part of. The problem is, is that there are too many veterinarians, managers, business people, owners who feel like veterinary technicians are diagnosing, but they are not. They're not diagnosing. So sometimes when we ask them to do things like, I don't know, a thoracocentesis, I hear things like, well, veterinary technicians can't do that because they are then going to diagnose. That's part of a diagnosis. And the answer to that is, no, it is not, okay? A diagnosis is the animal is suffering from pleural effusion because of congestive heart failure. That's what a diagnosis is. You have to look at the signs and symptoms and then derive a diagnosis based on what the signs and symptoms are. That's how you come up with the nature of the illness. And it seems in veterinary medicine, there's a lot of people, not just like a handful of people, but a lot of people who don't understand what the actual definition of a diagnosis is. So fear not, fear not. Veterinary technicians, veterinary assistants, vet nurses are not diagnosing when they're asking to do these high-end procedures. So then let's get into the third definition I told you we were going to get into. So lastly, let's define interpretation. And again, I, I assure you this is all gonna come full circle in a second. So interpretation, they're very similarly aligned no matter what dictionary you decide to look at, but so it's an explanation or opinion of what something means. Another way of saying it is an, the action of explaining the meaning of something. So here's what interpretation is. I have a PCV total solids, the PCV on a cat, a hematocrit, that's another way of saying it. It's synonymous, so depending on your schooling or where you are in the world, hematocrit and packed cell volume, same thing. So if I go up to my veterinary and I say, it's hematocrit is low, it is anemic, that is the interpretation of that, right? Like I've read a number, it's 10, <laughs> it is, we'll say the hematocrit is 10, the PCV is 10. 
I go up and I've interpreted it as the animal being anemic without blood, right? Like that's the definition of what that is. I can say to my doctor, hi, I have, I have a cat with a grade three heart murmur. That's the interpretation of what I'm listening to. I am seeing ventricular premature contractions on the ECG. I am interpreting the data, those gigantic waveforms as VPCs, and I'm telling my doctor that, hey, there's something wrong with the ECG, and I have interpreted it as actual ventricular premature contractions. So these definitions are really important. We have utilization, we have diagnosis, and we have interpretation. When we prohibit our veterinary technicians and our registered vet nurses and our tech assistants from interpreting data and doing their damn job, we don't utilize them. And again, it sounds crazy, but I'm seeing this a lot in veterinary medicine. I was just actually lecturing on stabilization of the emergency patient, upon which I bring up usually most of my stabilization of any sort of emergency patient. A fast or T fast. And if you're not familiar with what this is, another way of, of talking about this particular procedure is POCUS. So a point of care ultrasound exam. It is what it sounds like. It's a very fast way of scanning the quadrants of an animal, usually in a lateral recumbency during an emergency procedure. And the A fast and the T fast is looking only for one thing. Is there fluid in inappropriate spaces in the chest cavity? Is there inappropriate fluid in the abdominal cavity? And I actually had a veterinarian reach out to afterwards and email me and tell me that I should not be lecturing on AFAST and TFAST because, and I quote, you are a veterinary technician and you should not be diagnosing. Here's where we mess up the definitions, people. I'm not diagnosing, I'm interpreting data. I'm merely saying those pulses are strong. There's fluid in the abdomen, there's fluid in the chest cavity. It has pericardial effusion. The actual diagnosis comes from it has pericardial effusion because it has a heart-based tumor. Its spleen has been torn, it now has a bleeding spleen, and we need to go to emergency surgery, and I've diagnosed it with a ruptured spleen. I'm hoping that this is really helping people because it turns out that we're keeping veterinary technicians, veterinary assistants, and veterinary nurses down from actually doing their job because we don't understand the basics behind actual definitions. So this is step one in utilizing technicians. Until we can understand these definitions, then we can't move forward. But yet veterinarian, after practice owner, after corporation, unfortunately, keeps going and saying things like, oh, veterinary technicians shouldn't be taught how to interpret ECGs because we don't want them diagnosing ECGs. Excuse me, if your veterinary technician cannot interpret what they see on an ECG, then who's monitoring anesthesia? Because I'm really scared about that. That's just terrifying to me. I don't even know where that begins. Um, but yeah, I see this all the time. I hear, unfortunately, oh, we shouldn't be doing cystos. We shouldn't be doing thoracocentesis. We definitely should not be doing AFAS or TFAS. I know people who can't play central lines because that's a veterinarian only job. It is very frustrating when we can't do our job. And yet, this is something that occurs worldwide. It's not just a United States problem. It's not just a North America problem. No matter who you are in this position, you're struggling with utilization because of a failure of individuals to understand these definitions. So let's talk about why else we are failing 
at technician utilization worldwide. One of the other main reasons why there's a failure to utilize this position in full is because we're gonna, I'm just gonna call it out. It's a lack of trust or confidence by the owner or particularly the veterinarian. L let me be very clear. We're getting shafted here. I don't know how else to say it. Veterinarians, when you take on a brand new job, are, do you have someone standing right by your side checking every single little thing that you do and saying things like, oh, well, you're new here, so you have to prove whether or not you know how to spay or neuter an animal. I'm sorry. Can you run every single diagnosis by us because, you know, we don't know you or your background? I know you say that you're a veterinarian, um, but if, is it possible that you wouldn't mind just, you know, us double checking all your work? Oh, hey, can we run you through these? math quizzes just to make sure you're actually able to actually calculate out drug doses hey before you even start here we're gonna go ahead and really make sure that you know what you're talking about by quizzing you does that happen to you no it doesn't that's so weird um, yet it happens every single day particularly to credentialed veterinary technicians so obviously this is a big I mean this is a big rabbit hole right We've got non-credentialed, we have credentialed. And for the individuals who are on the job trained, there's a wide variant as well as there's a wide variant who are actually gone to school. And I get, I hear a lot of people saying, oh yes, but I have this amazing on the job trained individual who's been with me for 20 years. And these people coming out of school, these people coming out of school, they really don't have a lot of knowledge. You wouldn't know that they went to school. One, you would know they went to school because at least they have some baseline knowledge as opposed to someone who graduated from high school. So don't go me on, don't give me on the tangent about that. But secondly, we have to learn to trust this profession. I'm sorry, I know that there's a huge gap in knowledge and education, but I'm gonna, I'm not, I'm gonna say this. Hey, veterinarians, there's a huge gap in your skill and knowledge. I, I, I don't even know where to begin. I have literally seen well, you know, it's 10 years of experience and they make terrible doctors. They barely know how to spay or neuter an animal and they're ligating blood vessels left and right and you're the veterinary technician monitoring anesthesia like, why is this person still got a medical license? I don't even know. And then you've got brand new doctors who are amazing. And so, yes, all the veterinarians, much like all credentialed vet techs who came out of an AVMA accredited school, guess what? We all have a baseline knowledge and it's widely variable. You have students who just barely graduated from vet school. Those are your D plus, C minus students. You barely passed your board exams. You squeaked one point over. And then you've got your superstars. So the same thing happens with veterinary technicians, but yet when we enter the workforce, there's a bit of a hypocrisy in that a brand new grad is trusted to do the basics. You're trusted to do spays and neuters. You're trusted to do diagnoses. You're trusted to prescribe medications. And yet veterinary technicians are not. You got, I mean, you gotta be kidding me. It's so unfair the way that a new graduate veterinary technician is treated. I, I don't even know where to begin. We treat them like we don't trust them. And as such, we don't utilize them. And then yes, there's a whole culture-based thing where the people who've been at the hospitals for longer will say things like, oh, I don't know if I trust him or her or they and them. You know, we need to, we need to make sure they prove themselves. And veterinarians, you do not ever have to prove yourself as much as a veterinary technician does. And honestly, I count myself as super lucky. My very first hospital that I joined right out of tech school, brand new baby vet tech Amy, terrified. They utilized veterinary technicians to their fullest. I never felt like I had to prove myself. 
they helped me, they coached me, they mentored me, they gave me for my first manager role, they did all these wonderful things for me. But yeah, I know that's not always the way because after leaving my very wonderful family of, of uh, general practice people, I went into emergency medicine where I had to, I had to prove myself all over again. Those people made me feel like garbage. They made me question every single one of my skills, my knowledge, and I had to work myself up in that practice, even though I came to them with six years experience, but we all have imposter syndrome. And I kept thinking, maybe I don't know as much as I do. Maybe I, I don't deserve to be at this emergency hospital because they literally told me I had to prove myself in order for them to see a value in me. We have got to stop doing that. First of all, I'm gonna go on a side tangent. For everybody who's still using the word, you're on a probationary period for 90 days. Can we just stop? Like that is so devaluing of the new employee. What do they do wrong? Why are they in a probation period? We're basically saying, hey, we know you suck. So we're gonna put you on a probation period because we're gonna watch you like a hawk because we just assume you're, you're a horrible employee. Like, can we stop using that? How about an orientation period? I don't even care if you just say the first 90 days, um, new hire program, whatever you want to call it, but don't call it a probationary period. Um, I wonder, I don't know if this is true or not, but are veterinarians put on a probationary period for 90 days where you need to like prove your worth and otherwise you could get terminated for anything? Are you literally on probation for 90 days? Because most veterinary technicians and assistants, we are told we are on probation for 90 days. I mean, I'm just going to go off on a tangent there. Okay, let's dial back in. Go back to the podcast about technician utilization. So we know that technicians are not being utilized, one, because people just simply don't understand what veterinary technicians and assistants can do, like what we legally can do, and we constantly mix up definitions. And the second part of that is trust. And I'm here to tell you, you it is your problem that you are not trusting someone. And I hear what some of you say, oh, I once had a brand new veterinary technician and I trusted them and they killed a patient or they did some medical harm. Hey, same thing happens with veterinarians. Trust me, 25 years in this business, I've seen it at this point. I don't think that veterinarians walk in and are perfect every single time. There's a wide, wide range of knowledge and expertise when it comes to doctors as well. So then the third part of this puzzle is the fact that our entire profession as veterinary technicians, veterinary assistants, and veterinary nurses is, is quite frankly royally screwed up. Um, so I'm just, there's no way of like putting sugar on poop and making it seem just like sugar. So it is really royally screwed up. The problem is, is that we are still fighting to gain licensure. We're still fighting to have real professions. And right now, we still have that on-the-job trained ver versus, because it is like a battle, it's like a WWE wrestling match, with the credentialed veterinary technicians. And when I use the term veterinary assistant, that pertains to people who are on-the-job trained. Until we officially separate these two individuals, these two professions, we're never going to be able to trust the credentialed veterinary technicians and we can't trust the veterinary assistants because we don't know where the knowledge base lies. When I am dealing with someone who's a credentialed vet tech and they graduated from school and they passed the VTNE, I know that they come to me with a certain level of knowledge. I know they do. I know they know what a vein is. I know they know what an artery is. I know they know the large muscle groups. I know they know how to give sub-Q injections. I've literally coached someone from high school on how to give a sub-Q injection. That is a completely different knowledge base when you have none, right? So we can't argue that. And listen, again, for those of you who are veterinary assistants, some of you go toe-to-toe -to -toe with a credentialed veterinary technician, but it took you a lot longer to gain that knowledge. 
when we lump you in and call everybody veterinary technicians, it makes it hard to build that trust because we don't know where the educational level is. Where's the bar? Where is it? Where's that bar set in terms of education and knowledge? And at this point, it's so variant, it's damaging both groups. And, you know, I sometimes I post things on my on my Facebook page and I get a lot of on the job train. Listen, I love you people. I do. Um, but you go toe to toe and you try to argue that they don't need to be separated because you're just as good as a veterinary technician. Here's the thing. Every single one of us is getting damaged because we don't have a true profession. Veterinary assistants, you do not have a true profession. Veterinary technicians, we do not have a true profession until we're taken seriously. And don't even get me started. What's happening in the state of Washington is atrocious. So if you're not familiar with what's happening in the Washington state right now, um, let us be very clear. Unfortunately, in an effort to try to deal with the veterinary technician shortage, the state is trying to pass apprenticeships where you do not need to go to school and you can become a licensed veterinary technician. We're basically rolling back education. We're saying that if you are on the job trained and you pass a certain, you know, exam or whatnot, then you can become an LVT, the same as someone who went to an accredited AVMA school. And this is a very complex problem because I get it. We are short veterinary technicians and in some states, in order to do certain procedures, you need a licensed or registered veterinary technician. If you don't have that, you can't induce anesthesia. You may not be able to place a catheter. I totally understand that. But if we roll back the requirements to become an LVT or an RVT, it serves neither the veterinary assistant nor the veterinary technician. And here's why. One of the main reasons why our salary is so low is because it continues to remain a position that anyone graduating from high school can just go ahead and learn on the job. And when we have on the job trained positions, they are historically getting paid a lower rate than say an educated position. For example, lawyers get paid more money because they go to school and they have to pass a bar exam. Doctors, by the way, being a doctor at one point was an on-the-job <laughs> trained position. So for veterinarians, for the veterinarians, if you're listening to this and you are in the state of Washington and you're all for this, well, then I'd like to roll your license back. And well, I know I could learn how to spay or neuter. It is not that difficult. At this point, I've seen thousands of spays and neuters. If you don't think I can spay a neuter and dog just as good as you, well, then I don't need to go to school for that. So I don't know why you had to go to school to become a, li a licensed veterinarian. Oh, see? there's the problem. When we roll back the education, we unfortunately also roll back the salaries. We are all making a very low wage. We need to separate out veterinary assistants and veterinary technicians. One, veterinary assistants, you can have a career path, not just to a veterinary technician position, but to leadership and to many other things. Veterinary technicians, same thing. You also can have career paths to leadership or VTS or whatever else it is. But until we treat this as a true profession and not just a position, we continue to not utilize it appropriately. And this is the problem. I hear time and time again, well, I can't trust the individual because I don't know their skill and knowledge. And why don't you know their skill and knowledge? Because in your state, in every single one of our states, and arguably in almost every single country, you don't know who is credentialed, who's not credentialed, and what does that really mean? We don't have real professions because anyone can do most of or 99% or even 100% of our jobs. So veterinary assistants, you're going to continue to make dirt for money because unfortunately 
you were an entry level position out of school and you didn't need to have any requirements to entry, which means you get paid low money. Veterinary technicians, same problem. They're gonna pair you and they're gonna continue to say, well, if I can train this person in 10 years to do a job that you can do just as well in only three years, well, then I'm gonna pay you both the same. We need to start demanding, first of all, to be paid separately because the careers are very separately. But secondly, this adds to the utilization problem. I can't, I cannot emphasize this enough. We'll never get utilization right until we can get the profession right. And it is a hot mess and it's full of a hot lot, a lot of hot button topics. Let's not, not, let's not be delusional. We have a veterinarian shortage too. So if that's the answer to the problem, well then let's just roll back every licensure ever known to mankind. I mean, at one point people designed bridges without engineering license. I think we should go back to that. I mean, why do we need an engineer to have a license? I, it's ridiculous. And so therefore, why do we need a technician to have a license? I mean, it's just life and death of an animal. Who do, who cares? I, I don't, you know, if the bridge collapses or if the pet dies, it's equally the same. Uh, see where it's how it's so ridiculous that we're doing this? Hey, Washington, it's ridiculous. And it's also very offensive. Um, so anyway, I know I went on a weird tangent and as you can tell, I'm super passionate about what's happening out in that state um, and just in general. But it does play into the utilization factor. So, okay, we've defined terms, we've defined some roadblocks as to why technicians are getting are not getting utilized. So now let's talk about what utilization looks like and how we move forward. One, we need to trust those that we know have the education and the knowledge. Now this is hard, right? We have some people who might not have education, but they have great skills and knowledge. We need to know who those people are on the team. But then when we have credentialed veterinary technicians in, we just need to trust them, just like we do with our veterinarians. I don't know why we have to treat them separately. Obviously be cautious, but I'd hope to think that with your brand new baby doctors coming in, you're treating them with a little bit of caution, but also giving them the freedom to work in the framework that they already know. Please trust your veterinary technicians, especially when they come to you with a baseline knowledge. Secondly, understand the definitions. What is diagnosis and what is interpretation and what is utilization? And then thirdly, go ahead and let a veterinary technician work to their fullest potential. And so what does that look like? Let me be very clear. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna put myself in emergency setting because as a VTS in emergency, let me explain to you how this works in a high functioning emergency setting. You have a triage. Guess who's triaging it? It's not the doctor, right? It's a veterinary technician. And it, we'll just say that it was a dog that got hit by a car. The owner sees that the dog has been hit by a car, literally says, I saw my dog got hit by a car and he's not doing well. I'm gonna triage this animal very quickly. I'm gonna put my hands on its pulses and I'm gonna interpret the pulses to be poor. I'm gonna lift up the gum of this animal in which I'm going to interpret them to be white, upon which I am going to interpret this animal as having shock. Same thing as being anemic or anything else, I've interpreted this animal to have shock. I'm going to go ahead and get this animal immediately into the emergency room, to which I will say to my team, we have a hit by car patient here, can we go ahead and call the doctor? Let's go ahead and get started. Why am I gonna go ahead and get started with stuff before my doctor even is in the room? Because I am not doing surgery, I'm not diagnosing, and I'm not prescribing anything. So my team and myself of veterinary technicians and assistants should be slamming in an IV catheter. We should be cracking a bag of fluids. I didn't say give them, now did I? We're gonna go ahead and yes, I guess one could argue that if you put a face mask of oxygen on the animal, 
Technically, oxygen is a drug, I get it, but we're gonna go ahead and do that. We're also gonna go ahead and put an ECG lead on it, start getting a blood pressure. My doctor's going to round the corner and I'm going to give the information that I've interpreted from this animal. I'm gonna say we have a dog, age five, male neutered, hit by car, in you know the decompensatory stage of shock. How do I know that? Because I interpret it from all the other findings that I've seen on this animal. Pulses are bad. We're unable to obtain a blood pressure. Show throwing ventricular premature contractions. Doctor's going to say, do you have a catheter? And yes, yes, I do. We have a catheter in. Great. Can you start with 200 mil bolus? There you go. That's the prescription. That's the prescription. We start bolusing at the end of that. I say to my doctor, great news. Heart rates come down from 180 to about 140, but still tachycardic. Pulses aren't great. Still struggling to get blood pressure. Would you like another fluid bolus? Doctor's gonna go ahead and say yes. Upon which my veterinary technician's already starting to do an A fast and T fast and has interpreted those results as guess what? There's no fluid in the abdomen, but is going to say to my veterinarian, I find that there's fluid in the chest cavity. I'm gonna go ahead and do a thoracocentesis and, and see what's, what kind of fluid it is. Not diagnosing people, they have not diagnosed why they're having a hemothorax or a we're assuming it's a hemothorax. My doctor is going to go, go ahead, tap that chest. Tap that chest. I'm going to go talk to the owner. Great. Now the owner's having a conversation with the veterinarian and the veterinary technician team, highly functioning, is being utilized to the fullest. There is no reason why we can't be utilized to the fullest. And now let's take a look at this in general practice. We have an animal that comes in for, we'll say, the most common thing, vaccines. The veterinary technician gets a medical history. The veterinary technician does a physical exam. The veterinary technician confirms with the owner what kind of vaccines they want. And now the doctor's going to come in. The doctor also may do a quick physical exam, but this is after they've already had a conversation with the veterinary technician. And the veterinary technician said, I just wanna let you know my physical exam findings are completely normal, except that I did notice that the dog leans to the right and kicks the right leg out when they're sitting. I'm concerned that this dog may have arthritis or potentially a cruciate rip, uh, tear. So does the veterinary technician in that moment of speaking to the vet, did they diagnose anything? No, they interpreted the findings. They saw what they saw on a physical exam. They've alerted the veterinarian. Now the veterinarian comes in, the dog's standing. And the veterinarian can say, oh, hey, you know, one of the things that my vet tech saw was that, you know, when they sit, they actually push the right out, kick the right leg out. Can I just see them walk really quickly? Ooh, yes, I'm also concerned that maybe we've got a cruciate tear, but have we diagnosed the cruciate tear? No, because that's not also how we diagnose it. We diagnose it through a physical orthopedic exam, as well as radiographs, and sometimes an MRI if we really wanna go crazy. And so that's the doctor's job, right? But the, and the veterinary technician has interpreted what they were seeing, so the veterinarian has so much better opportunity to be able to communicate with that client and give the animal the best care. Now here's what's the best kicker. The veterinarian gets to spend way less time with that client because guess who did it? The nurse. Why did I just use the term nurse? Because this is exactly how human healthcare works. Your nurse, you speak to your nurse way more. In fact, arguably even your PA. Um, 
more than you do your doctor. And the doctor is going to have a very quick conversation and say, oh, guess what? Veterinary technicians, veterinary assistants are going to come in and vaccinate your animal. Now, in some states, I understand some states only a veterinarian can handle rabies. I don't, this is, by the way, completely ridiculous. I don't know why, because we can't be trusted with rabies vaccine, but we can be trusted with insulin. Oh, that makes a lot of sense medically. Um, anyway, so another weird thing. I don't know. Um, so anywho, in some of your states, veterinary technicians can't vaccinate for rabies. That's fine. Veterinarian can say, I'm going to go ahead and give a rabies vaccine. The technicians are going to take it from here and give everything else or draw your blood or do all of that stuff, you know, and also pre-screening blood work, veterinarian tech, veterinary technicians, we're going to go ahead and draw and do the blood work. You know what? No news is good news. We're going to, um, we can fax you over, email you the results or on our portal. Listen, it's 2023 people. We should have, be having healthcare portals for animals. Wouldn't that be great for every single one of our veterinary hospitals? And so we can utilize our team to the fullest just in that moment. Hey, doctors for spays and neuters, imagine how great it was if you had kind of this pre-anesthetic plan that you use for most spays and neuters, your technician went up and said, hey, this is what I'm planning on using. Are you okay with this plan? You just quickly look at the drug doses, go, yeah, that looks great. You show up when that animal's already induced and you scrub in, cut, and then you walk out of the room and you go to the next OR room and guess what? You go scrub in to the second OR room and you cut the next one and you have a rotating team of people. I once did a high volume spay and neuter uh, clinic for shelter animals and my record by the way was 12 spays and 32 neuters. How many people did we have on staff? We had two veterinary technicians and one doctor and we literally just prepped and went and prepped and went and so Honestly, we were like a machine. It was crazy. Granted, like I think that day was a nine hour day, but we started and we didn't end until we ended up dealing with all those animals. Granted, a lot of those 32 neuters were cat neuters, but still, we pretty much rocked the house. We gave them paid medications, like all those things. So you can have a highly functioning team so long as you utilize to the fullest. So let's go back to the beginning of this podcast. Let's go back to what the definition of utilization is. So the act or instance of making practical or profitable use of something. Yeah, profitable. We have shown through countless studies at this point that if you utilize veterinary technicians to the fullest, you make more money for the hospital. And then let's go ahead and talk about the other definition, which is again, that action of making practical or effective, effective use of something. You have to effectively use your team because here's what you're doing. When we don't utilize our veterinary technicians, our veterinary assistants, our RVNs to the fullest, it's not just about not making enough money. It's not just about burning out our veterinarians because, well, they have an increased workload because they're doing things that veterinary technicians should be doing. Again, stop restraining animals and stop placing IV catheters. And please, for the love of God, don't do a dental profi. You've got trained people to do that. And I know a lot of you are saying right now, some of our veterinarians are doing those things because we're short staffed, but why are we short staffed? I'm gonna bring it back to the very basics as to why every single one of us entered this professional. We love animals deeply to, uh, to the core of our soul. We love animals. We are hugely empathetic individuals. I feel animals, I do. When they are sad, I feel sad for them. When they hurt, I hurt for them. That is why I went into this industry. And as a veterinary technician graduating from an AVMA accredited school, I took an oath. If, you ha if you're not familiar with the Vet Tech Oak, um, definitely post it. It's amazing. You should read it. I read it out loud. It was very impactful. 
We as a class read it out loud. We actually had to memorize it. It's hugely impactful. Veterinarians, you have an oath. You took it to protect those animals. That's why we went into this profession. And so let me be very clear. I went into this profession to do those things. And when I am prohibited from doing those things, I leave. That's it right there. You want to know why you're short staffed? It's because you're treating the people as kennel help. You're treating the people that you don't trust them. You're treating them as if they don't know what they're doing and you don't trust them. And, oh, I'll just, I'll just place the catheter myself. And as such, they feel devalued. They feel unfortunately not appreciated and they are walking out of your hospital in waves. And this is true for veterinary technicians and assistants and RVNs. But here's the other flip of this. When we don't utilize our technicians to the fullest, guess what veterinarians? That's going to mean you're gonna have to do more workload. And I know veterinarians right now who are monitoring anesthesia for each other because you don't have enough actual support staff to help you go ahead and monitor the anesthesia. And you're feeling very burned out. I just spoke to a veterinarian who was like, I spent all day monitoring anesthesia for my colleagues. I'm a veterinarian. That's a terrible feeling, right? That's a terrible feeling. And you know what else they said to me? They said, Amy, I shouldn't be doing it because I'm not the one skilled in anesthesia. You're absolutely right. You're not. They, she actually said to me, the last time I monitored an anesthesia school uh, case, uh, case was when I was in school. I was terrified. You should be <laughs> because the reason why, not all the reason, but part of the reason why veterinary technicians are bailing out, not just changing jobs, but bailing out of this profession is you're failing to utilize them. I'd like to, again, go back to my first employer and thank them gratefully and deeply for utilizing me to the fullest. I get to do some really, really cool shit. And that kept me in this profession. And the next job that I went to that didn't utilize me, I remembered the first profession that did. And then I decided to fight for myself and leave that terrible job and go find a position that would let me be a veterinary technician. Not 25%, not 30%, but a full time, every single skill I could possibly imagine and learn in the scope of law in which the state I work in, I wanted that to be my profession. Not, oh, well, you know, here we allow only our doctors to do cystos. We only allow our doctors to unblock cats. We only allow doctors to do art lines. Like, come on, are you serious? It's because you get stagnant in your job that you start to lose your passion and you start to realize I am getting not paid enough for doing the little work that I'm doing. When you get to utilize your skills to the fullest, you feel more valued and you feel reinvigorated and you get to stay in this profession longer. And listen, it's just one, it's a tip of the iceberg and it might not even be the tip. It could be the mid layer. There's a lot of stuff as to why veterinary technicians and vet assistants are bailing out of this profession entirely, but utilization is up there. It's so important. It's sad that only 40% 40% feel like they're being utilized to the fullest. That means 60% of you are unhappy with how the level of skill and knowledge you get to do in your hospital. That's sad. That's more than one out of two of your employees in your hospitals think, I could, I could actually be utilized more. That's really disappointing. So I want everybody to think about that. And this is a very complex problem. Absolutely, I know that the trust-based issue is because again, who's a vet assistant? Who's a vet tech? I don't know, there's a huge wide range of knowledge. But for those who come out of school, we gotta trust. We've gotta trust their baseline knowledge the same we do as our veterinarians. We have to build that trust. We need to separate out the two professions 
that certainly would help. And we also need to truly understand what the definitions of a diagnosis is, what is the definition of interpretation, and what is the definition of utilization? It, because it's getting very frustrating when I have a veterinarian reach out to me and tell me you can't do an AFAST because that's a diagnosis. Nope, it's no different than you saying I can't feel for pulses because I might interpret it as having weak pulses or I can't look at a, a hematocrit too because I could interpret it as being anemic. Like that's ridiculous, what are we doing? Um, so anyway, Obviously a very hot button topic and one I'm very passionate about. And hopefully, even if you don't love my passion in this podcast, hopefully you understand that I just want our profession, and I say are because I'm a veterinary technician, to be fully utilized because we should be. There's no reason why we shouldn't be other than some of the issues that I talked about in this podcast. I thank you for everything that you do. And I hopefully, again, food for thought, Think about the way that you utilize your team in your hospital. Be better, do better, utilize them to the fullest. Find ways to challenge them in their skill and their knowledge so they don't feel like they've maxed out, so they don't feel like, ooh, at this hospital, all I can do is just you know, restrain animals because that's how you're gonna end up having very few veterinary technicians and very, very few veterinary assistants on your team. Thank you so much for all that you do. As I always love to say, keep on being a unicorn. And please check out all my other blogs, vlogs, and podcasts at vetteamtraining.com. And certainly, please go check out my brand new continuing education website. It's chock full of information. And here's the best part, because this obviously ties into it. I, didn't, I wasn't going to advertise it like this, but hey, it works out perfectly. My brand new continuing education website Education for all, veterinarians, veterinary technicians, veterinary assistants, CSRs, practice managers, come join. Um, it's the most affordable continuing education website. But here's the other thing. The educators, the educators, the instructors, the um, teachers are only veterinary technicians and veterinary nurses. Um, and yes, 99.9% .9 of all the race approved continuing education, and I can proudly say this, is veterinary technicians and it's education for veterinarians, race approved for veterinarians and veterinary technicians. I wanna showcase absolutely everything that vet techs can do. And that means elevating us and showing that veterinary technicians can educate doctors. And so thank you guys for all that you do. Please go check it out and keep on being a unicorn.